In 2008, Pixar Animation Studios and Disney released a movie about a little robot trash compactor. Its name, full name, was Waste Allocation Load Lifter Earth Class, or WALL-E. WALL-E is one of my favorite Pixar movies, so much so that I bought a little Lego WALL-E that I had to put together when I first saw it. It was amazing. So he's just going to stay right up here. Hello. (laughs) We'll see if his head stays going straight. It doesn't always. Reason, though, it's one of my favorite movies is because Wally was pretty different than a lot of movies. I mean, um, the first third of this movie is basically a silent film. I mean, there's music, there are sound effects, but there's really no... Uh, talking or dialogue from any of the characters. I mean, they have little beeps and bloops or robots and say some things, but but there's a whole lot that's not. And one of the early scenes, if you've ever seen Wally, one of the early scenes focuses on him working away, building what are basically skyscrapers of garbage while exploring and finding different items that uh, people have left behind, like car keys or one of those paddle ball games, or a diamond ring case. He took the diamond ring and chucked it, but, um, and, and as well as a fire extinguisher. But at the end of his day's working, he goes back to his home. He passes other Wally units that have long since stopped working. And when he gets home, he watches scenes from the musical Hello, Dolly. And it's here where you can kind of see that Wally being alone kind of lends it, you can, you can see a sadness, you can see a loneliness, which, and it's amazing how they do that um, through animation and for a robot, but you can see that there's a loneliness. I mean, he's out, he's looking toward the stars, and he's listening to music from the movie from Hello, Dolly, and he just simply wants to hold somebody's hand, um, as they did in the movie, as he did in the scene from the movie that he's watching. Wally connects with something that probably a lot of us have faced at some point or another in our lives, and, and that's loneliness. According to Webster's Dictionary, loneliness is defined as the state of sadness that comes from feeling alone or isolated or cut off from others. Here's what one resource I found describes the characteristics of loneliness, because it's, it believes that you know, the feelings of loneliness, they're a lot easier to describe than what loneliness actually is. Loneliness is a feeling of emptiness in the pit of your stomach when someone you love has deserted you and you feel that no one really cares anymore. You feel unwanted or unneeded. You can feel as if you're all by yourself, uh, though you're surrounded by people. You may experience loneliness and feel isolated even in the midst of a crowd. You begin to feel that you have nothing to live for. It eats away at your inner person, it saps your strength, it robs you of hope. Loneliness puts a wall around you, no matter how free you may be. Loneliness can happen through many different ways. There are many different circumstances that can lead someone to feel lonely. 
A lot of times it's when major changes happen in your life. It could be circumstances that are not necessarily in your control, like the death of a loved one, or when your last kid moves out of the house and you're an empty nester. Maybe it's losing your job. There might be holidays which cause your loneliness. Or it could be something physical like a handicap, an illness, or just simply getting older. Could be because you're single and you've wanted that connection with someone. But it's not always because you're single. It could be when you're married. Maybe you've grown apart and there's a loneliness there as well. There could also be spiritual reasons for why you feel lonely. A recent study from Harvard stated that 36% of their respondents uh, reported feeling lonely frequently or almost all of the time in the prior four weeks when they conducted that study. What was more startling, though, is that 61% of young people aged 18 to 25 and 51% of mothers with young children reported this degree of loneliness. And of course, survey respondents also reported that substantial increases in loneliness happened during the past year since the outbreak of the pandemic. I mean, the lockdowns during the pandemic, they didn't really help people and their feelings of loneliness. Like, Think especially about those who are older and they've got health issues that made it a risk for them with COVID-19. And they isolated themselves or they were isolated in a way that would cause great feelings of loneliness. But today, I want to take us through a few stories in the scriptures, in the Bible, where we can look at different pictures of loneliness. These people went through this same trial of loneliness that we're talking about today, and all for different reasons. Some were self-inflicted, others were through a social stigma, and one even felt like everybody deserted him at his greatest time of need. And another was isolated through the actions of someone else who was literally hunting him. Each of these vignettes that we're going to look at today, they're going to show many different types of people experiencing loneliness, and some of these are some of the most well-known people in the Bible. And so let's get started by looking at someone whose loneliness was self-inflicted. Many of us know the story of Jonah, but if you're maybe unfamiliar with that story, well, let me take you through some of it. Jonah was a prophet of God. He appears a couple of times in the Old Testament, in the Bible, but most notably in the book named after him, where the Lord gave Jonah a message for the city of Nineveh. We find this in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, where it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the ferry, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So God gives Jonah a command as a prophet. Typically, we see all the prophets. They're like, all right, let's go. Jonah was like, all right, let's go completely in the opposite direction because Tarshish was totally away from from Nineveh. And he hires a ship because he wants to get as far away as possible. 
God wasn't going to let Jonah get away quite that easily. And we can read the rest of the story in chapter 1, but basically God sends a storm on the sea that was so violent that the ship and its crew were in danger. And the crew, who were not followers of God, were afraid as this ship was being threatened by these storms. And where was Jonah during all of this? Well, he is down below decks taking a nap. The sailors, they were terrified, and so they wanted to figure out who was responsible, and so what they did was they cast lots, and these lots fell to Jonah. And so they wake him up, they're like, please help us, why is this happening? And he tells them a whole story, and he says, you know, it'll be no problem, we can take care of this. All you have to do is to take me, pick me up, and throw me overboard, and the sea will calm down. You see what Jonah's trying to do here? Like, he wants to get away from God so badly that he's willing to let himself be killed in order to do so. It's not a noble thing that he's doing. Like, he's not like, hey, you know, you guys seem like good people. I'm going to save you. It's not that. He just wants to get away from God. The men on the ship, they they didn't want to throw him overboard. I mean, that's not typically something that you do. But after the storm didn't relent, they actually cried out to God not to hold them accountable for killing Jonah, and then they chucked him overboard. There's also a note in verse 16 that they began to worship the Lord. So something good did come out of Jonah doing that. Now Jonah probably thought, hey, this is pretty good. I'm taking care of everything. I'm going to get away from God easily. Don't have to do my thing if I'm dead. But again, God's not quite finished with him. Verse 17, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside that fish three days and three nights. Now, three days and three nights inside of a great fish. Now, I know for some people that sounds insane. Like, you know, just totally seems impossible, right? but I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to put anything past God. <laughs> Here's where we need to put ourselves in Jonah's shoes. We, we, we need to put, use our imaginations here. What would it have been like for you had you been stuck alone in a fish for three days and three nights? Like, how do you think you would have felt other than gross and wet and all that? How alone would you feel? I mean, three days doesn't seem like a long time, but three days by yourself, in the dark, in a fish. That can be lonely. And Jonah did this to himself. He ran from his God-appointed duty to preach to the city of Nineveh. So I ask a question. Have you ever intentionally separated yourself from him? Everybody ran from something or someone and and that caused you to feel lonely. I know there are times in my life where I've done that. Uh, I lost friendships when I've intentionally distanced myself, and it can't hurt. It feels lonely. Now I want to look at the second person. The second person in the Bible that I want to look at had loneliness kind of put on them by social norms. It's a story that's found in the Gospel of John. 
where John is describing an encounter that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman at a well. Jesus is traveling north toward Galilee and travels through the region of Samaria, which would have been between Galilee in the north and Judea in the south. And while he's going, he comes to a town, and he and his disciples decide they they need some rest and get some food, kind of restock on supplies. And so the disciples, they go off into town and they buy some food, and Jesus sits down near the town well. And it's about noon that a Samaritan woman comes along, and she's alone, and she's coming to get water from the well, and Jesus starts a conversation with her, and here's what he says. Here's what the conversation is in verse uh, 7 verse, uh, nine, seven through 9. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, Well, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. There's a couple of details that are important here. The first thing is that she comes in the middle of the day. That's a little odd because that's the heat of the day. You know, normally in that culture, during that time, women would come to draw water from the well in the cooler parts in the morning or in the evening. The other odd thing is that she came alone because that would also have been strange. The women would have usually gathered water together, like there would be groups of people that would come to the well together. So both of these details kind of imply that there's something that has caused her to come to the well in this way. And so Jesus speaks to her about this in verse 16. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Well, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say that you have no husband. Fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. So Jesus knows that this woman's had five husbands and now is sleeping with a man that's not her husband. Um, and that has been interpreted as being somebody else's husband. In an ancient Jewish culture, um, there, there wasn't a limit on how many times the how many times someone could get married, like the number of times, but the tradition was uh, about three. Um, and, and going beyond that, she's also sleeping with somebody who's not her husband and probably is someone else's. And that's why it seems that she's come to the well in the heat of the day alone to draw water. There's a social stigma that's been placed on her life and, and how she'd been married five times instead of the traditional three. I mean, traditional, I um, one would be the best, but but now she's not even seeing marriage as something that's even necessary. She comes alone to fill her water and looking at her life, I mean, that kind of thing could make you feel lonely. Trying to find some kind of connection, I mean, that, that that's where I see the loneliness in her. It's, it's that she's trying to find connection. She's trying to find that where... You know, she's been married five times. She's now sleeping with somebody else who's not been, you know, who's not her husband. And it's it's moved her into what appears to be loneliness and into areas of sin. And again, I ask a question, you know, have you ever felt separated from others because of how you live your life? Because it's different than what's normal in society. Maybe you feel ostracized. Maybe you're made to feel lonely because of this. And I think that we can apply this in so many different ways in light of the world that we live in right now. So let's move to our third example here. 
And that's the Apostle Paul. Paul's nearing the end of his life, and he writes a letter to someone that he was discipling named Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we read about Paul's desire for Timothy to come to him. And here's what he wrote in chapter 4, verses 9 through 16. Paul writes, Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus and at Troas, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. You too should be on your guard against him, because he has strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. So everyone has left Paul, except for Luke, and they all left for different reasons. Some left because it looks like they left the mission, like Demas, who Paul said loved this world and deserted him. Some left to continue the mission, and others were opposed to the gospel, and finally he writes that everybody basically deserted him at his trial. And Paul's nearing the end of his ministry and his life. Like, he understands this. And when he writes his letter to Timothy, he's in prison, and he's not expecting to live a whole lot longer. And he talks about fighting the good fight, finishing the race, how his time has come for his departure. Everyone has left him except for Luke, and he has to be lonely, being in prison and and seeing his friends leaving. And so he seeks one of his closest friends, one he considers a son in the faith. Have you ever felt lonely because there are those who have left you? Maybe relationships ended poorly. I've had that happen where I've been the instigator of that. And it hurts. Maybe it came to a natural conclusion. Whatever it was, they moved away, they moved on. These things seem to have caused Paul to feel alone, and and I'm sure many here probably echo that feeling. And that takes us to the last person that I just want to profile here, and that's the second Israelite king, David. Following Saul, who was the first king, his disobedience of God, the Lord had the prophet Samuel anoint David as king. David fought and defeated a giant named Goliath and was brought into the inner circle of Saul, but Saul's jealousy eventually betrayed him and he sought to kill David. David was forced to flee from the capital and spend years hiding from Saul's army in the wilderness of Israel. During these times, he wrote some of the songs and poems and prayers that we find in the book of Psalms. Psalm 31 captures his feelings of loneliness. Psalm 31 verse 9 Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am the dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten by them as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. So David's fleeing from Saul. He's trying to stay alive. He's living in the wilderness, and he's struggling. 
He says things like his life is being consumed by anguish and that he has become contemptible to his friends and that he's been forgotten. And again, I ask, have you ever felt this way? That you've been forgotten, even in the hardest of times. He's been struggling. He's been running. You ever been forgotten by even your closest of friends? Consumed by anguish and you don't know who you can turn to. I can imagine how alone one might feel going through that. Each of these four people that we've spoken back about, while they're in completely different circumstances, they span, you know, centuries, all experience loneliness in some way or another. Jonah attempts to run from what God has placed on him to preach to a city to repent. The woman of the well was gathering water in the heat of the day away from other people because of how she was living her life. Paul's companions left him as he was facing trial and David is hunted into the wilderness and seems like everyone had left him as well. Each of these four people were lonely, but each also did a very important thing because they turned to the one who was never going to leave them. Jonah, while in the belly of this fish, prayed this prayer to the Lord in Jonah chapter 2. From the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. The seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. The woman at the well, she met Jesus. She's offered living water that she's never going to have to thirst again. She goes after God in a completely different way. John chapter 4, verses 10 through 15, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't have to get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She sought God from that point. Paul knew that while people might desert desert him, God never will. In 2 Timothy 4, 17 through 18, But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that though 
that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And David, throughout the book of Psalms, continues to go to the Lord in worship and prayer. So continuing right after we left off when we read from the Psalm 31. This is Psalm 31 verses 14 through 16. Even after he says, he's going through all this anguish, he says, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Seeking after God first. Having that relationship with God. That will help with loneliness. He is the only one who's going to help that in such a way. The Lord has promised he will never leave you or forsake you. Continue to seek him first and foremost. At times he's going to feel far away, but he is not. As it's written in Psalm 145, 17 through 18, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And so to, in order to overcome loneliness, seek the presence of the Lord, but also work to build relationships with other people. We are made to live in community. We are not made to do this by ourselves. Even from the beginning of creation, God knew it was good for us to be in community with each other. In Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. This is the one thing that during creation, God said was not good. Everything else was good or very good. But this, not good. It's not good for man to be alone. There are many opportunities available to find community. And we hope that you can find a lot of that here at Maple Grove. We know we're not quite where we want to be. But we want to get better. We want to improve. And we do have areas today like this. We come together every Sunday to worship our Father in Heaven, to worship our Lord and Savior corporately. Together. It can be easy to get lost in a crowd, but I pray that you would not do that, that you would take time, seek out some others while you're here on Sunday mornings. But Sunday morning is just the tip of the iceberg. It's important. It's just the tip of the iceberg. We have got also small groups available, and we're still always looking for new leaders to help with small groups. For the ladies, our women's ministry has and will have many opportunities. I've seen the list. There's a lot of stuff that they want to do and and are going to do. So many opportunities to have community with people. Guys, we have work to do to catch up to the ladies, but we also have opportunities as well. If you're a teenager and you're looking for a community, well, come hang out with us on Sunday nights at youth group. We have a good time. And there's going to be more chances. But like I said, we're not quite there. We're, we're not quite where we want to be with that. But we will be. Now, sometimes you need to initiate this yourself, right? You can't just let it come to you. Sometimes you've got to make the, the first step 
And so maybe it's something like inviting someone to dinner or just inviting somebody over to your home or, or making phone calls to check on people or, or writing a, a, a note to someone. Or maybe it's volunteering. We've got places to volunteer here at church as well. Our children's ministry always, and especially now, is looking for people to help. Um, If you want more information on that, you can check the Children's Ministry Facebook page because there's a whole list of every grade on there that Andrea has put together, and we are in need of help there. But it's it's, it's a great place where you can have community with other adults and also little kids, and little kids are the best until they punch you in the stomach. Less the best there, but you can also help others with things like shopping groceries, making meals, sending notes, whatever. Seek the presence of the Lord. Work to build relationships with others. Will this help when you feel lonely? I really do believe it will. Will it remove loneliness from your life completely? Probably not. But at least these things will give you something practical that you can do when loneliness rears its head. The biggest thing to understand, though, is that Jesus knows and understands our loneliness. We are told in Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus experienced everything that we've gone through or are going to go through. Think to the time when Jesus was arrested. Matthew's gospel tells us that all the disciples deserted him and fled. Jesus faced his trial before the Sanhedrin and Pilate alone. And he went to the cross alone. But as he says in John sixteen thirty two, a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Jesus went to the cross with none of his disciples, but he knew that his Father would be with him. And that promise extends to you. Because Jesus himself tells us that he will be with us everywhere we go until the very end of the age. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will always be with you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, Thank you for that promise. Thank you that you love us so, so much that you have promised never to leave us. People in this world, as we've seen through Scripture, as we know from our lives, people can be a little fickle and will leave. But you, Lord, have promised never to leave. And we want to also, we want to we lean into that, Lord, and we thank you for it. And we also want to mirror that. We want to reflect that as a church here at Maple Grove. 
that we can be a reliable place for people to go who are lonely. For people to know that they are loved in a way that transcends anything. We want to love people like you love them, Lord. Help us to do that. We thank you so much for Jesus and that that even in the darkest hours when he was on the cross, you were with him. We thank you and we love you that, that, that he did that for us and that you continue to do that for us, to be with us. And Lord, we just pray that for those here today who might be going through this trial of loneliness, that you would help us to come around them, that you would also come around them, Lord. Help remind them that you are near and that they can call on you and you will answer. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we close?